by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. The disciples were walking with Jesus for three years, and, and the whole time he's just teaching them stuff. He's building them together as a team. And how to get along. That was hard because one of them was a tax collector and they hated tax collectors. One of them was a zealot. I mean, you couldn't put any two polar opposite people together in the same group. But Jesus taught them to get along. And if Jesus could teach them to get along, I think we could get along. And he's just showing how to, to get along. And what did they do? They start arguing about who's to be the greatest. Just human nature, isn't it? Well, it's not bad to want to do great things, is it? Because we're made in God's image. And he's great. And he gives us desires to want to do great things. And in verse 24 it says, But they begin to argue among themselves of who would be the greatest among them. They're trying to outrank each other here. They're trying to put each other in order. And Jesus told them, In this world the kings and the great men lorded over the people. Yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Bosses in the world are a little bit different than the way God's kingdom is operated. Those who are greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. I mean, if Jesus can get down on his knees, the God of all creation, and wash his disciples' feet, he was setting the example for us that if we want to be great in God's eyes, we must be the servant. And while I, it's hard for me as a human to accept uh, this pastor appreciation day, I understand that you want to honor the position of pastor in your life. And it's a good thing to honor that. And I appreciate you. And I want you to know I hadn't, I hadn't got there yet about humility. I'm working on the humility part. But I do understand that my position as your pastor is to be your servant. It's not to be your boss like the world does it. I am here to serve you. And in, in my estimation, your success is my success. I have stopped trying to make myself out to be something. But I have learned to help you and give you the ingredients and you the tools and the, uh, uh, the wisdom for you to do great things. And when you do good, I feel like I've done good. Does that make sense? You are my reward. Because every job in the body of Christ is important. God doesn't look at my role as pastor as more important than your role in this body. He loves you just as much as he loves me. And he, he loves the, the, the growth in your life and the things that he's called you to do. When you succeed, he's just as thrilled as if, if when I succeed. In Matthew chapter 21, we see that Jesus is about to make his triumphal entrance into the city of Jerusalem. He knows what he's going there to do. It's his last time he'll be there. 
But it's been prophesied that, you know, he's going to come in riding on a donkey. And so he tells two of his disciples they hadn't got to Jerusalem yet. They're still walking across, I guess, the, the Mount of Olives or whatever. And, and they tell, he tells two of his disciples, go in, uh, to the city of Bethany up ahead and you'll find a donkey in his colt, and I want you to untie him and bring him to me. And so they do. They go there, and they untie the donkey. And, and he says, when, you know, if anybody says anything, just tell them the master has need of them. And I've read that story. You've read that story. They brought the donkeys back. But somebody brought up to me the other day, uh, I guess I was listening to a radio program or something, how hard it must have been for them to go get those donkeys. I mean, we just read over those little things. But in real life, if the master told you to go get somebody's donkey and bring it, that's like a felony. You know, back then, people's donkeys was like a car. That was like a shooting offense. You're going to try to untie my donkey. You know, the Romans have thrown me in jail. And so I'm supposed to go on Jesus' word. We ain't even been in Bethany. But I'm supposed to go untie these donkeys and steal them, basically, and if somebody says something, all I'm supposed to say is the master has need of. That took faith. But what if they wouldn't have done it? Zechariah 9.9 wouldn't have been accomplished where it says, here comes your king riding on a donkey, your humble servant. Jesus wouldn't have been able to fulfill all the prophecies. He wouldn't have been able to hear all the people shouting, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He knew what he was coming to do. And they laid out their coats and their palm branches, and he rode that donkey. What a show of humility. You know, he's, he's teaching his disciples humility. If you're going to be the leader of all, you must be the servant of all. He's washing their feet. He didn't come riding on a stallion. He came riding on a donkey. Look at your neighbor. Look him in the eyes and ask him, are you a donkey getter? <laughs> do you know Jesus will ask you some stuff to do that you don't, you don't understand? Some things that you don't want to do. Some things that you feel might put you at personal risk. Some things that you might, they might have said, man, that's going to be embarrassing. They're going to think we're stealing this. Well, I'm, I'm not doing that. Jesus is looking for donkey getters. You know, what honor it is for us to see it in that way. That What honor to bring Jesus a vehicle to move the good news forward. Because the master has need of them. I think about all those donkeys out there right now that the, the Lord could be using to, bring, to further the gospel. Are you a donkey getter? God is asking us to go and bring the donkeys to him. There's another word for donkey I'm not even going to use. <laughs> you never know how Jesus is going to call you into action. 
when my son was nine, Josh, I signed him up to play football. I don't know if he wanted to, but, you know, I'm a dad, so he was going to play football. So I brought him down to the rec league, you know, and they were giving him 40-yard dash and everything, see how fast they were, and then the next week they were going to pick, pick up teams and, you know, a lottery kind of thing for the young kids. They seemed to take it real serious, football. It was seven. Okay, seven. That's right, seven, eight, and then nine and ten. He was seven at the time. <laughs> so that makes the story worse. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I go. I'm just a happy dad looking for my son to be the fastest and the best in all of Hernando, you know. And we got there, and some guy come up to me. He says, you know, we got more kids than we expected this year. We don't really have enough coaches. Would you maybe be assistant coach or something? Would you mind? And I thought to myself, well, I hadn't played football since junior high, and I told the guys much. He said, it don't matter. They'll figure it out. And I said, well, okay. I said, I'll probably be on the sidelines anyway, shouting for him and everything. I might as well get in the action. So I agreed that I'd be, you know, one of the coaches or something, assistant coach. During the week, he calls me up and says, okay, Mr. Sheffield, you'll be the head coach of the Maroon Tigers this year. <laughs> and I'm like, What? <laughs> Dude, I don't remember how to call plays. I don't remember anything about football. But I accepted the challenge. And I got on the internet and started learning about football again, and refreshing my memory and learned enough to just be dangerous. Got him out there for the first practice and found out one of the dads had played college football and he was a, a lineman on a junior college team. I said, you're the lineman coach. Another guy said, I, I, remember, I used to play in high school. You're the offensive coordinator. You're the defensive coordinator. Before we left that first practice, I had like a seven-man coaching staff on that seven-year-old football team. <laughs> <laughs> and we began to meet and plan and put together a playbook. We had a real official playbook that we passed out to the children. Man, we took it very, very seriously. One of the things I learned important in that football team was of course, you're star athletes. You know, there's always going to be a kid that can run faster at that age and hit harder and everything. Those, those guys are going to make the, a really big difference whether you win or lose. You know, if you don't have any big, strong fellas, you're probably not going to win many games. But another thing I learned was those kids that are scared to hit, those that are timid and, you know, they don't want to get hit or don't want to run or they're, they're slow or, you know, just really not an athlete and, and probably shouldn't even try it out for the football team, it's just as important to coach those kids up. Because you, cause in this league, everybody has to have a certain amount of playing time. And that kid that's not going to hit anybody, he's just going to be a hole in your defense. Or he's going to be on your offensive line and he's going to be a hole there. And so you got to you got to encourage the ones who are shy. Encourage the ones who, who don't have the, the so-called obvious gifts. And I tell you what, I think I learned more about pastoring, teaching those kids football that year than I have in any seminar I've ever, Christian seminar I've ever been to. Learning that every player is important on the team. Learning you got to coach the ones up and you got to encourage the shy ones and the scared ones and show them and, and still courage in them. Yeah, you're going to have the superstars. Sometimes you got to learn to calm them down a little bit. 
And you've got to learn to play as a team. And you've got to have a leadership team that you can trust to work with. You've got to put structure in place for a team to work well together. You know, for the next three years I coached and we won two out of three championships. I, I still don't know anything about football. But I knew to raise up people who did to help me. And those are principles that we can learn in the church. You never know how God's going to call you into action. I didn't mean to be a football coach, but I learned so much from it. One time I had a guy in my office, and I was talking to him about taking a leadership position here at the church, and I showed him our org chart, you know, the little chart that shows who's in the head of what department and stuff. And he just got this funny look on his face. He said, I had no idea all this went on behind the scenes. He said, I thought we just showed up on Sunday morning and it just happened. I thought somebody had a sermon and they preached and y'all played a few songs and we went home. I had no idea. Could y'all show that orc chart? I don't know if you can see it. It's kind of small up there. but That little box at the top, that's Pastor Guy and then the ones in the white across there, that's my top leadership team. And each one of those is a team leader of different teams. Let me see if I can. I can't even see that myself. But you got the different teams. Uh, and each, each box represents a department in this church. You say, but we're such a, a small church. Well, a small church has to be efficient if they're going to ever become a big church. Small churches got to operate with the same level of excellence. We got to work together. We got to pull together. We got to have the leadership in place. We got to have uh, processes in place to pull up those kids that are hesitant and don't want to get involved. And places for the, for the star athletes to shine. And so there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Say all jobs are important. You donkey getter. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 12, 14. I'm going to read verses 14 through 26. This is the Apostle Paul talking about the body of Christ. He said, yeah, the body has many different parts. It's not just one part. If the foot says I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that make it any less part of the body? You say, well, I don't play on the praise team. I just work at the connect desk. Does that mean you're not part of the body? Does that mean you're any less important because one is more visible than the other? Verse 16 says, if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. You say, well, I wish I was talented in this or that. I wish I had this gift. Or, and you're comparing yourself to other people. Stop. That's not where God wants you. He designed you to be you. And he's not grading you according to somebody else's gifts. How strange would it be if a body only had one part? 
Yes, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakless and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable and those we, are those that we clothe with the greatest care. So we should be taking care of everybody, making everybody understand their importance. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require, require this special care. It's talking about the body and the different organs and the things and such. The way the, the body, the human body is put together is much the same way that the body of Christ is put together. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care can be given to those who have less dignity. This makes for harmony. Say harmony. Somebody say harmony. Yeah, isn't that a beautiful sound? I love harmony. And when everybody is pulling their weight and everybody's doing what they were created to do, it makes for harmony among the members. Not jealousy and strife and division. It makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. That's the church that we are. If one part suffers, then all the other parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Amen? And you know what? Paul said in Romans 12.10 that we should love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. And so if you would allow me today, I would like to honor you for all the things that you do day in and day out here at the Passion Church. For all the wonderful things things that you have accomplished this year as we look at that organizational chart let me pull mine out here so I can see if you have worked in guest services this year as an usher or a greeter would you stand to your feet right now could, body of Christ could we give them a round of applause Under the leadership of Mr. Greg Mitchell, thank you guys, you can be seated. We honor you for your service. If you have served in visitor care, uh, do you have a, a team or you, is your, would your visitor care team would stand to your feet? Give them a round of applause. <laughs> Under Miss Donna's team leadership. They're the ones that care about our new visitors and send cards out and reach out to them and, and pray over them. Many times I've sat with Donna in prayer on Tuesday nights as she brings out her list of visitors and, and brings them up before the Lord in prayer. It's a beautiful thing to watch. We've just recently put together this year a ministry team that we can call up at the end of the service to pray for folks. We've, you've seen that happen a few times. That's under the guidance of Miss Marcia Price. Marcia, would you have your team please rise? Thank you. Thank you guys for being prayer warriors. And 
sensitive to the Spirit? If you have served in the DeSoto County Jail under our jail ministry in the past year, would you rise to your feet? <laughs> Brother Tom, don't you sit behind that computer. You stand up. You're the leader. You're the team leader of that. We honor your service, all of you guys. And, of course, Nicholas and Josiah and some others are not here today. Nicholas and Josiah are at a, a conference learning how to be better evangelists somewhere in, like, Wisconsin or somewhere? Michigan, Michigan same thing. Somewhere up north I've never been. Huh? Callan and, and Brenda both go to the jail, uh, others. Um, so wonderful ministry, making a difference. And ha, Joe, have you ever been, I know Tom has, been walking through a Walmart or something and somebody come up to you, I know you, I, I know you, I seen you down, what do they call it, down at the, down at the, the, the soda, down at the Soto or something. They won't say the jail. They say, I know you from down at the Soto. Yes, yes, yes. Seaside, yeah, D-side. So, yeah, you're making a difference in our community. All right. This is one that touches my heart because it's special to the Lord in so many ways. The children's ministry, kingdom kids, if you've worked with our children, would you please rise to your feet? <laughs> Wonderful job. Our children love you guys, and you're making such a difference. Under the leadership of Miss Denise Santucci. Thank you. Uh, if you're on the praise team, would you please rise to your feet? Are you served in the praise team? Or maybe you sang a special. Go ahead and rise to your feet. Mark, you sang a special with us. You prepared and came to give us a song one day. Beautiful. Thank you, guys. Your check? It's in the mail. I got some bacon bits I could give you in the meantime. All right, uh, like I said, Josiah's not here today, but if you're in the sound, video, and media department, the guys in the back, or if you've worked there this year, would you rise? Angie, you've done that. Who else has done that? <laughs> Mr. Greg, thank you guys. They're the ones that keep the, the internet going for us here and, and make sure the band sounds good. You know, there's a lot of work behind the scenes on all of these. It doesn't just happen. They get here at 9 o'clock in the morning to, to begin to practice the timings and to set up the, the computers and get the sound right. And then there's a practice on Tuesday nights where the Troy drives all the way from Bartlett twice a week to be here. And, and all these guys put in so much time to make sure that we can uh, give the Lord our very best on Sunday. Uh, if you have led a life group, or you have been assistant to a life group leader, if, you, if you've opened up your home in the last year or so, or, la or since we've been doing life groups in the last four years, would you rise to your feet? Life group leaders, you've opened up your home. Angie, what you doing, send them? <laughs> Joshua, you've helped lead a life group. You stand up, buddy. Give Joshua a round of applause. Yeah. We appreciate that so much. It's made such a difference in our church and, and how we, I feel like we all know each other so much more intimately because of those life groups. Um, community outreach, that could be, you know, 
the different outreaches we've done, that'd be all of us. You know, there's not really a department on that. But uh, Nicholas has done a fine job of getting us into the Horn Lake High School to minister. And Joe, I know you've been a part of that. It's been a, a pleasure to make a difference in our community through that way. Um, let's see. If you are part of the keepers of the house, that means you come on your off day and you clean the church, you vacuum, you scrub things down, bathrooms, you, you, you do this behind the scenes. Because you love the Lord and you love the house of the Lord. Would you rise to your feet? Would you give them a round of applause? Because it smells good in here today. God bless you. And now if you begin to see a, a trend here, some of these people are standing up two and three to four times already. Faithful, faithful servants. Thank you so much for that. All right, if... Uh, this is a department that we lost for a couple of years when COVID was here, but, but God has given us some babies of our own, and it's called the nursery, and Angie is the team leader of that. A Angie, and would your, you and your team please rise, and we, we thank you for serving our little babies. Of course, there are, there's some back there already, you know, so some of the, the, the more faithful people are back there right now. Angie was, Angie's saying she was scheduled to work the nursery today, but they wanted her to be able to be in here for this today, and they work double shift. They've, they've done two times in a row, Sherry and Cindy. So when you see them, love on them and give them a big hug. These are the kind of things that make our church special. Uh, we have what you call an offering crew. Those who come up here and take up the offering, uh, after, usually after the, the music, and they encourage you to be the kind of givers that God wants you to be. They're helping you build the faith to become the giver that God wants you to be. Would you stand if you have, have taken up the offering in the last year? <laughs> Miss Kirsty in the back, one of our favorites. Oh, Joe, always done such a great job. Of course, there's others that's not here today. And then, Joe, you might as well just keep standing, buddy. And Miss Megan, right along with him. Those who work in our youth department. This is our youth pastors and our youth leaders. And our youth. And if you're a youth, you need to give them a big shout right now. Hallelujah for them youth pastors. You can be seated. Thank you. You see... On Wednesday nights, they meet here with the youth year-round. Our life groups, we take semester breaks. We'll take a few months off, <laughs> a month off in between semesters. But they are faithful every Wednesday to come all the way from Olive Branch to be here for those youth because they just love Jesus and they love the, the kids that Jesus loves. And then I would like to ask those that are part of my personal leadership team, the G-Force team, would you rise to your feet? These are the leaders in your church that God, the elders, so to speak, that God has called to, to lead and guide us. And Nicholas is one of them as well. So, uh, Tom, did you not stand again? We got a rebellious leader in the house. 
Yeah, he likes to be behind the scenes. Well, anyway, am I forgetting anybody? This is just the ones on the chart. But, but thank you for coming. If you aren't involved yet in the things that we're doing here in the church, go through the Next Step class. Become a member. If you need to get water baptized, get water baptized. Let's do this thing together. Then some of the people won't have to stand up four or five times and have to work in every department in the church. We're all pulling together to make this happen. And we need you on board. We want this church to be a spot without church. What did I just say? I don't know. We want this church to be a church without spot or wrinkle. When Jesus comes back. We're working hard to be a faithful body of Christ. We're working hard to see people go around that discipleship wheel where they find freedom, discover purpose, and begin to make a difference. And then they begin to bring other people in here. And we, you know, if we keep that wheel going, we're always going to uh, be growing and doing the things God's called us to do. We're, we're trying to be uh, a church of donkey getters where we'll do what God asks us to do. We're not in it for the glory. We're not in it for the numbers. We're in it for the lives changed. And we're bringing uh, those donkeys out there. And we're going to them and we're saying, the Lord has need of you. And he does. We all have something to offer the Lord. And so we're going to be donkey getters as long as I'm here. Telling people the master has need of you. And we're living in a time that the time is when. The time is now. And not many people, the people in the world are being deceived. Many people have fallen away and, and said, well, church is too hard. It wasn't that important to them to stick with it when times got tough. But you, I keep telling you, you're the remnant. You're the ones chosen for such a time as this. You're the ones God is depending on. And we can't, none of us is an island to ourselves. None of us is more important than anybody else. We need one another. We must do this together for our children and our children's children if Jesus tarries. Because this world is getting dark. And we must be the city on a hill. We must stand for Christ. And ultimately, it's him who's building the church, not us. Ultimately, we can honor each other for our service, and that's the right thing to do, Paul says. But all the glory goes to Jesus. Every bit of the glory goes to Jesus because he's the one who showed us humility and how to do it. He's the one taught us the way, and he's the one who never gave up and never will. He didn't quit. When they put that crown of thorns on his head and they laid his back open, he said, oh, he could have said, oh, this is getting a little too tough. They don't even appreciate me. I'm quitting. Maybe you're serving in the church right now and you think people don't appreciate you. I hope you feel appreciated today because you are. And if I ever fail to tell you, you can just know in your heart that you're appreciated by the Lord. That the tears you've cried and the the calluses that you put on your hands and the time that you've given and the lives that you have changed, they mean everything to Jesus. 
That's the kind of thing he was thinking about when he kept moving forward with that big heavy cross on his shoulders till his legs could no longer take the weight and he collapsed and they had to get somebody to help him. But he got back up. And with the help of someone else, he kept going down the road. He didn't stop in Jerusalem. He went on to the hill called Calvary where he laid it all down. Yes, it's tough. Yes, this is a hard life. Yes, it's tempting to quit and say, man, it would just be easier if I didn't have to serve in the church. And I didn't have to think about all this. Maybe the devil would let up on my life. No, he wouldn't. I was telling him this morning that I would, I would rather have the attacks of the devil against my life serving the Lord than have to pay the wages of sin. It's going to be tough one way or another, but at least I can go to bed at night knowing I'm giving the Lord all I got. And I haven't quit. And I'm just going to be faithful. And I'm praying that you will be too. Because we're in this together. God's faithful donkey getters. We're making a difference in each other's lives. We're making this church without spot or wrinkle, but we're, we're helping missionaries around the world. We're reaching out to our community. There is beautiful things happening every day. And sometimes we don't do enough to, to, to celebrate those things. We lose sight. and We can say, well, it don't really matter. It don't matter if I go to church today. Yes, it does. What would the body of Christ look like with all these digits missing ears? Where'd deer go? Can't hear a thing today. What'd the pastor say? Deer ain't here. You play a vital part of what God is doing. But ultimately, it's Christ, His love, His word, His spirit is changing us at the pace that we will allow. That we will allow, that we, if we will stay on the wheel. 1 Corinthians 3, 5, Paul says, After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We're God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. We were the donkey getters. In the grand scheme of things, we're just donkey getters. I planted the seed in your heart and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. And it's always a good time to remember your why. If you begin to lose sight of what we're accomplishing here, just remember who you're doing it for. He went the whole way. Let's give Jesus all the glory. Stand to your feet and let's give Jesus all the glory. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise. He has honored us here today. Let's honor the Lord. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. This is your house. We are your people. We are called by your name, Jesus. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. We follow you. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand that we may accomplish all that you have sent us to do in these end times. We glorify you, Jesus, right now. Everybody said amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Now, if you're here today, and I don't know if we have any visitors, but uh, are you, you're saying, 
I didn't understand church was that important. Um, I, I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus personally. I don't know if I died where I go to heaven. Maybe you have questions, and, and we've all been there, right? We've all been there. Or, or maybe some of us are still there. But the thing is, is what are you going to do now? Now that the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart saying, I need this. I, I need my life to count. I want to play a part in this end time church. I want to I do great things. I want to be a man or a woman of honor and integrity. I want to play my role. I, I, and I want to get this monkey off my back, this sin and, and this expectation the devil has placed on me, this man making me feel unworthy. You see, the world all... He's trying to, the devil's trying to huddle us all in to, to be the same person that we can never be, someone else. And it's too much weight. And Jesus is saying, forget all that. That's a lie. You are who I created you to be. That's all you need to be. And you can't be that without walking life out with me. And I'll forgive your sins. In fact, that's why I went to your cross to pay for your sins. And if you'll just ask me for forgiveness, and you'll ask me to be the Lord of your life, I will forgive you and cleanse you of all the dumb stuff you've done. I'll take that monkey off your back. And you, you never have to wear that monkey again. You can be free. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, it's just something you do from the heart. It's not a magic prayer, a format, or a process. It's just getting right with God. And you just be who you are and say, Jesus, forgive me. I want you to take the lead. I want to follow you. If you will say that out loud with your, and mean it with your heart, he'll send his spirit into you wash you clean. His blood will, will wash away the stain of sin in your life. He'll give you a fresh start. And the best part is if you will allow him, he will walk each step from here with you. You never have to you never have to feel alone again. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do you want to pray that with me right now? Lift your hands to God if you want to you want to make him the Lord of your life. Say, and pray with me like this. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Show me life. I've made such mistakes. I've went down so many wrong roads. I've been looking for you, and I didn't even know it. Would you be the Lord of my life? Would you save me? Help my life count for you. I feel this call to greatness. Fulfill it, Lord. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. And as they said up here today, you can't do this without the Holy Spirit. He is God on the earth. He is God on the inside of you. He is God available to the believer. Trust the Holy Spirit. Read God's Word. And be faithful in 
God's house. And we will accomplish what God has called us to do together. to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.